Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Well, if I'm not mistaken, last month would have been 80 years of our church. And it feels like for the majority of those 80 years, we've been in the Gospel of Luke. Well, today's no different. (laughs) We go to a text in Luke 22 that's about Jesus and Judas. And so this is a pretty sobering passage of Scripture today, but, but let me begin maybe in a less sobering way. There are actually eight folks, men mentioned in the New Testament whose name is Judas. I feel sorry for those other seven. Hey, what's your name? Judas. Oh, I've heard about you. No, 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 no. I'm one of the other seven. So there is one Judas that is most noteworthy out of the eight, and that's Judas Iscariot. He's mentioned 20 times in the four Gospels and twice in the book of Acts. And the truth is we don't know a whole lot about him, but this we do know. His whole life changed when after a full night in prayer, our Lord Jesus decided to pick 12 disciples, 12 people that he would mentor. You see, in that day, oftentimes, they didn't have a school that you would go to. You would sit under the teaching of a teacher only if they've invited you to. So to get chosen by Jesus, I mean, think about this. Of all the people on earth, Jesus decided to pick 12, and one was a man named Judas Iscariot. As the list of the 12 is mentioned throughout the New Testament, Judas's name always appears last. He's the one that ended poorly. So in a place of dishonor, he is at the bottom of the list of the 12. What's interesting is he spent roughly three years with Jesus. Here we've spent just over two years in the Gospel of Luke. Imagine being there for every bit of what we've talked about. So when people were raised from the dead, Judas was there. When Jesus is preaching and teaching, Judas is there. When Jesus is casting out demons and healing people, Judas was there. He ate his meals with Jesus for three years. He could approach Jesus at any time because they were always traveling together and imagine being able to ask Jesus any question at any time. It's remarkable, the access and the opportunity that he had in the grace of God. Jesus loved him. Jesus served him. Jesus trained him. And on one occasion, Jesus got down on a knee and washed Judas' feet along with all the others. Jesus got in a slave position, and he served Judas. This man had a remarkable opportunity given to him. And what we read in the Gospels is that Judas' position on the discipleship team was financial. He was essentially the treasurer. He oversaw the resources of the ministry. So Judas was the one who kept the money, literally. He was also a thief. 
The Bible tells us in John 12 that he had a pattern of stealing money that belonged to the ministry of Jesus. He was a taker and not a giver. He didn't actually care about generosity for the sake of the good news of Jesus going forward. Instead, he only wanted gain for himself. But what's interesting is that he appeared to be generous. He appeared to care about the poor because in John 12, in that passage that, that Bobby read for us, there's an occasion when this woman, Mary, comes in and she's sinful and she's repentant of her sin and so in her effort to demonstrate just how much she is repentant, she goes to Jesus who is her Lord and anoints his feet with very expensive perfume. Judas has taken all this in and he goes, oh, oh, wait, that, that perfume costs a lot of money. We could sell that and give it to the poor. Oh, Judas, you're such a socially minded individual. Actually, the Bible says, if you, read, if you heard that reading, he wanted that perfume sold that so he could take control of the money rather than give it to the poor, put it in his pocket because he was a thief. And the Bible actually prophesied about and predicted on at least two occasions in the Old Testament surrounding Judas's life and demise, these two events. In, in Psalm 41, written a thousand years before Jesus was even born, Psalm 41.9 says, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Jesus quotes this very verse in John 13, 18, when he's with his disciples, he looks at his disciples and he says, one of you is going to do this to me. Also predicting Judas's demise is a prophecy in Zechariah, uttered some 700 years before Jesus was born. Again, because God knows the future. Zechariah eleven thirteen. Upon first reading, you think, okay, this could be talking about somebody in the 7th century B.C., right? The Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they valued me. So this is the price put on a person's life. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them to the potter at the house of the Lord. It seems like it was just designated for somebody in the 7th century B.C. under which Zechariah was writing but it was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus ultimately would be betrayed by how many pieces of silver? 30. Not 29, not 31. You see, all Scripture is God-breathed and perfect, and the prophecy was given 700 years in advance that Jesus would come, that God would enter human history, and that He would be betrayed by a close friend fulfilling Psalm 41.9. And the exact bounty on his head would be 30 pieces of silver, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 11.13. And Judas did betray Jesus. And he did hand him over to the authorities and he was paid 30 pieces of silver, the equivalent of about a couple hundred dollars. Well, today we're going to see this story with Judas 
and it's the last time that Judas is going to appear in the Gospel of Luke. So on to the betrayal. Luke chapter 22, we find it beginning at verse 47. While he, that is Jesus, was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, that's Judas Iscariot, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Well, the other gospels tell us that was Simon Peter who did that. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Now, you've got to get a picture of this. Here's this guy who's come to arrest Jesus in this plot for murder. He has his ear cut off, and Jesus heals his murderer. That tells us an awful lot about Jesus, doesn't it? Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where we saw him last week. It's where he would often go to pray. So as was his custom, he goes to meet with his father. And Judas knew exactly where he would be. And it was nighttime, we're told. And Jesus says, oh, you come out at night when it's dark. I've been at the temple courts. I've been preaching and teaching in public forums during the daylight. If you wanted to arrest me, why didn't you do it then? Because see, this isn't an arrest. This is a murder. They do it at night when everybody's at home in bed so no one can see. And Jesus says, this is your hour. When darkness reigns. What he's saying is, the darkness that surrounds us at night is not as dark as the darkness that's in you. And Judas had betrayed him with a kiss. Can you imagine what that felt like for Jesus? Here comes my friend. I have fed him, housed him, loved him, cared for him, invested in him for three years. Have you ever had that moment when somebody you trusted in and loved and they just betrayed you? Can you imagine how the disciples felt in this moment? You're a team. You're you're together, right? Have you been on a sports team or been in a military unit or part of a small class in school that was together for many years? Have you been part of a work team or ministry team that you've had shared life experiences and a lot of time together over the course of several years and then one of the group does the unthinkable? I'm sure the disciples were stunned. Judas, you're the one? You're one of us. We thought we were all friends. We thought that you belonged to God You're an enemy of God and you're an enemy of us. 
Jesus is arrested and he's run through a series of false trials because this is murder and they all happen at night and we're going to see that in the weeks to come as we continue studying together. Now this question, how does Judas feel about what he's just done in betraying Jesus? Well, what's tragic is he has remorse but not repentance. He feels bad but he doesn't change. See, there's another man around this same section of Luke who betrayed Jesus. We saw his story a couple of weeks ago. It's Peter. We even read ahead beyond today's passage in Luke 22 to catch that part of Peter's story. He denied Jesus Christ three times. And then it says that he wept bitterly. He was devastated by what he had done. And as soon as he heard that Jesus was alive after the resurrection, Peter ran to the empty tomb looking for Jesus. Perhaps to put himself in a position to declare his love for Jesus, to ask for forgiveness from Jesus, to hear from Jesus his love and acceptance. That's repentance. Peter did change. He wasn't a perfect man. But he was a changed man. Judas had remorse but not repentance. He felt bad but he never changed. So the Bible says he had remorse. Matthew 27 verse 3. Some translations will even use the word repent. But I've got to take issue with it and here's why. Because repenting is when you tell the people that you've wronged that you're sorry and you own up to it. And you tell God what you've done to wrong Him and you own up to it and you tell God you're sorry. What Judas did, he told the chief priests and the elders what he had done, but not God. He didn't leave room for God. Maybe that's some of us in this room. We cry, we feel bad, we grieve our consequences, but we don't hate our sin. We don't bring it to God and the people we've offended. And that leads to discouragement and, and despair if we're not careful. In fact, Matthew records that rather than going to Jesus, Judas went to a tree. Rather than saying he's sorry, he made a noose. Rather than making it right, he made it end. That's remorse, not repentance. It's not enough just to feel bad. You've got to bring it to God, and you need to change by the grace of God. And Judas never got there. So then the question is asked, and maybe some of you are, are thinking this question, why did all this happen? I mean, who's to blame? Did Judas have any recourse? Well, the Bible tells us in John 6 that Jesus looked at his disciples and says, one of you is a devil. Jesus knew early on what was truly in the heart of Judas. 
Also earlier in the same chapter from Luke, in Luke 22, the disciples are together sharing a meal, and it says that, Jesus, that Judas opened his heart to Satan. So here's an unbeliever who opens himself up to Satan. You see, we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we could open ourselves to unholy spirits. And so what happens is that Satan and demons empower the fallen, wicked, deadly desires of unrepentant sinners, and that's exactly what happened to Judas. Judas is no victim. His desire was to betray Jesus, and Satan encouraged it and empowered that desire. Let me say this. If, if you're a non-Christian, if you've got folks that are not, friends that are non-Christians, you, they are exceedingly susceptible not to just being influenced but completely overtaken because there's no authority over Satan apart from Jesus Christ. There is no authority over Satan apart from Jesus Christ. That's why some people do horrific things, not just in the days of Jesus, but in our day as well. And so we, we see these horrific things happen, and we ask, well, how could that? What happened? Well, they had an evil desire in them. They had an opportunity, and an enemy who empowered that evil desire toward destruction and death. That's the story of Judas. He's no victim, but Satan is involved. Now, in the providential understanding of God, God knew all of this. He knew how Judas would be, that Satan would empower his evil desires. God knew that that would happen. But I want to be clear about this. God is not to blame. God didn't make it happen. God is good, not evil. But God uses even evil for good. And He uses the most horrific evil, the betrayal and murder of the Son of God for the greatest good. That is to the glory of God and to the salvation of sinners. Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Jesus is the Son of God. He is God among us. He lived without sin. He died on a cross in our place for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, rose from death. He's ascended on high. He is God, King, Lord, Christ, Savior. You have to believe that. Do you believe that? You see, Judas heard and experienced that every day for about three years. But it didn't take. He didn't believe it. Jesus gave him all this information, but Judas didn't respond with faith. He didn't trust a word of it. I mean, sitting under the best Bible teaching ever, he had the opportunity to experience sanctification. That is growing in grace. But it's contingent upon believing and obeying what the Bible actually teaches. This has been a more somber text, a hard word, if you will. But it is also a word of encouragement, an invitation to say, you know what? Judas ran from Jesus, 
and it killed him. I want to run to Jesus so I can live life with him. And that's God's invitation to you today. Some of you would say, man, it started good, but it's not gone well. Then don't do as Judas did and leave no room for God to act. Do as Peter did. Get brokenhearted. Run to Jesus and his people. Receive the grace of God so that you can finish well. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.